This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Two defeats from two punctuate what has been a troubling week for City, which at the end of it has thrown up plenty of question marks about the team going forward. Just a blip or is City's empire starting to crumble? Full stop. It's Monday, the 2nd of October. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for good to win. It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 
are listening and you're expecting me to sit here and act like the world has collapsed around Man City, <laughs> then you're listening to the wrong person, first and foremost. The wrong um, podcast, to be fair, as well. Well, yeah, I think I think we're all fairly level-headed here. And don't get me wrong, with the, the, there's a lot we're going to talk about regarding this game and a lot of criticism to hand out. Um, but bigger picture, if you're looking for me to start saying that the, you know, the, the season collapse starts here or uh, making bigger sweeping statements about our transfer business or anything like that, you're in the wrong place. So before I get on to us, I also want to preface by saying, number one, full credit to Wolves. They were written off before the season started and they've. I think they, they had a fantastic performance against Man U earlier in the season, although that's not really much to talk about. And then they've just beaten us at Molyneux, right? So full credit to them regardless. To beat City, whether City are playing well or badly, you have to be on top of your game and Wolves were today. The second thing is, and it's not an excuse, but again, I'm sure Amos are going to talk about this. I know you've got things to say, but the refereeing was a disgrace. <laughs> and I'll just, before I get on to us, I just want to say, yes, there were a couple of mitigating factors. The other one, obviously, we're missing a lot of key players. You know, Rodri, Bernardo, Stones. We've got a lot of players out at the moment that are very important to us. And of course, Pep wasn't on the touchline. So all the mitigating factors aside, we were fucking shite, mm. right? Mm. Almost every player on that pitch stunk the place out. Mm. Honestly, that that is the top and bottom of what I have to say about the performance of the players that were on the pitch. Um, there were a couple of, I'm not even going to say bright sparks. Akanji was okay. He mm. swept up after Ake a couple of times, in particular where Ake was burned by Neto, uh, and Akanji was there to clean up. So a couple of bright points from his perspective. Alvarez was okay, obviously phenomenal free kick. Uh, Doku was lively, he was direct, he was good on the ball. His end product was dog shit. So mm. though, those are basically, if, if I'm going to have to look for any kind of silver linings, those three, I can give a little bit of credit. Um, but other than that, my God, um, I, I hand over to you after this little rant, but you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about some more individual performances as well. Yeah, um, I think that probably touches all bases to kick off with. Um, it, it it was just, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it straight away. I'm putting it under one of them days. I obviously, tongue in cheek in in the introduction said, you know, is the city's dynasty coming to an end? Is everything about to crumble in on itself? I, I don't think it is. You know, you've mentioned there. All of the mitigating factors as to why City, well, beforehand may have lost the game in the in the end, did lose the game. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to oh, some stats now, and and it doesn't always tell the full picture. But Wolves had one shot on target and scored twice. It, it, they had one shot on target and scored twice. You know, it's, it's funny because Adam, Adam on Friday's show, anyone who listened said, you know, City don't lose games like this anymore because of the way we play football and the way we defend. It, it was just, it, it, it was one of those days. The, the issue I guess we'll have to delve into is can City afford to have one of those days? Because we spoke um, in the lead up to this game about the momentum of the game against Newcastle and how it, it it didn't matter at all. You know, the team wasn't there to win. Well, the team would have liked to have won the game, but it wasn't a team you put out to win the match. But 
playing Wednesday night, tough environment, you know, take a bit of a kick in, Newcastle are up for it. You then travel to another similarly loud ground, and, and I will say, haven't been there, D and me, that was, when those goals went in for Wolves, that is one of the loudest experiences I've had outside of the Etihad Stadium. Um, it, was, it was it was so, so loud. Um, and it's not a ground you'd sort of associate that with, with atmosphere-wise. But, you know, is it an issue, do you think, for City that given the momentum, given how they started the season, the fact now we have gone two two games from two for completely different circumstances, having lost both? I'm not even reading into the Newcastle result, honestly. Uh, for me, there is no bigger picture there because the Carabao Cup, to be honest, isn't something that we're going to be prioritising again mm-hmm. this season. The, the problem with today is that it... The stars aligned for Wolves, right? As they would for any mm. club in this situation. If you were to go and, to and any I'll just team, say as well, they, yeah, yeah. if you watch the game against United and you watch the game against Liverpool, they, they were sort of due a result because they were really good in those two matches and get, didn't get any mm. points. I didn't actually think Wolves... The Wolves were great in the sense that they defended well, but I didn't think they had to work very hard to get the win. Um, whilst also having one shot on targets going to goals. You know, it, it is a bit yeah. of a weird one, and, and that's why I put it down as one of them days. But, you know, Wolves, Wolves will have harder games this season and come out with fewer points. Yeah, absolutely. But if if you're any other Premier League side, right, and you say to them, pick a realistic, quite extreme, but fairly realistic set of circumstances under which City are going to come and play you at at your gaff. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, right, we want no Rodri, uh, we want no Bernardo, we want no John Stone. You know, the the players they're missing, first and foremost. Mm. Then the second thing they're going to say is, Pep Guardiola not on the touchline. (laughs) And yeah. The third thing they're going to say is a little bit of stroke of luck during the game, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe some refereeing that goes our way as well. So everything aligned falls. And again, taking nothing away from them, even to be a bad Manchester City, you still have to be very mm. good. So full credit to them still. The, 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 the bigger problem here maybe is that we are now more exposed to this set of circumstances because, number one, the squad is very, very, very thin on the ground. Mm. Um, as we've seen, two to three injuries can cause us real problems. We don't really have a replacement for Rodri. Gundo held that role well when whenever Rodri didn't play or just whenever we put him in the six and he was fine. Phillips isn't trusted. Different conversation for a different episode uh, or go back to any of the previous <laughs> year of episodes and they're on there. But um, And then on top of that, the dickheads at the FA have now decided that managers should be butts for almost anything. And that's it, yeah, that, that, that suspension. baffled me. It truly... Well, I was driving down... Of, uh, train strikes in the UK for anyone who, who is wondering why I was driving down to Wolves because it's one of the easiest train journeys of the entire season. But I was driving down listening to Five Live and it popped up when the um, radio, that is for international listeners, it popped up with the team news saying that Pep Guardiola's not on the touchline. And I'm thinking, sorry, what? We're, we're seven, six games in. Um, yeah. And, and, the, and the thing that pisses me off the most about that is not only the fact can managers now get soft yellow cards, but the accumulation for that is three matches. Instead of five players, for players. Whereas players is five. So yeah. not only do they... Because I think as well, if a, a, a coaching member... I'm not saying Guardiola's been uh, sort of fallen foul of this, but a coaching member gets booked. I think, I think I'm not sure it goes onto the manager. So it's like... Uh, Juan Lilo could get booked, but it will be Guardiola's because mm. he's the man and you know, he has to control it. So not only is it that... It's also not the same as it is for players. Mm. It's a fucking wild rule that I have no idea yeah. why it's why it's in place. And the, the entire principle is sucking the life out of some of the passion of the game. Look, I'm all for mm. respecting referees and officials, fourth officials, yeah. etc. They're, they're human beings. But 
they also need a bit of a thicker skin in the sense that, mm-hmm. before people jump on my back for this, they need a thicker skin in the sense that managers, when they're passionate, may get animated. Now, there's a difference in abusing somebody, i.e., yeah. and there was no way that was offside. Come on. Yeah, right. that's an occupational hazard, isn't it? Correct. Absolutely. And again, and I've gone back and, and I'm looking at the weekend's games, and um, Pedro Porro got booked for, hang on excessive celebration for when when Spurs got the winner or Matic gave them the winner uh, against Liverpool. <laughs> what, what are they doing? Like the, 95th managers, minute winner and you're getting booked for excessive celebration. 95th what? minute winner at home against another team that are chasing down a title race potentially. Mm. It's and, and in an era where it's... Research, all of the narratives came together tonight for Spurs to, to record this massive dramatic win mm. at, the, at the death over Liverpool. And then a player's booked for heading to, you know going to the stands and excessive celebration. And managers are booked for being passionate. And uh, again, as I say, abuse absolutely shouldn't be tolerated. Mm. And in fact, should be a straight red from managers instead of a yellow card. But when... when you know, coaches like Pepper being booked for effing and jeffing at the floor and asking, you know, questioning decisions. Mm. Come on, man. So anyway, back back to it. We are in a situation where we have a very passionate manager that wears his heart on his sleeve that is going to pick up bookings left, right and centre and get suspended. We're in a position where we've got a very thin squad with some players that are irreplaceable that are going to get injured. You know, I've not even mentioned De Bruyne as well. So... These things are going to come together at times this season. We are more exposed to potentially uh, unfavourable circumstances heading into mm-hmm. games. But in general, is there a problem? No. We might just run into these problems more often. Yeah. Um, at one point, I will sort of bring back up because I made it when City were winning match and I said it's something to watch out for later on in the season. Um, just quickly before we move on to, to Rodri, who obviously wasn't involved, but I feel like City started the season still riding the crest of the treble wave in the sense, obviously, you know, slight tweaks in the way City were playing, Kyle Walker playing a bit more of a, a role and obviously playing a, a little bit more higher, um, a few changes in possession, et cetera, et cetera. But essentially, you know, City were, were one month, two months removed from winning the treble, winning the Champions League. Everything was good. Everything was rosy. The players were still in decent fitness. My feeling is, especially with how how stretched the squad was, the issue would be further down the line because City notoriously start seasons very badly, or at least, you know, relatively speaking, not very good. It's when they get into that run. I mean, we won the treble having not really, having having written most things off in January, in February. You know, these these clips of me saying we're not going to win anything this season. It's done and dusted. It's it's over. Go go home, everyone. Go and prepare for next season. We go on a mad mad run and win everything. So I do think it's something, perhaps maybe later down the line. We're at the start of a pretty big week. It has to be said. So maybe even in seven days' time. But yeah, it's just something to watch. You know, it the high was so high. It can be difficult. Maybe even you know psychologically to go back to there. But I, I want to speak about Rodri. Um, as the song goes, can we talk about Rodri because he is kind of the biggest winner and the biggest loser this weekend. I saw a really funny tweet from American Citizen on Twitter. Or, open brackets, formerly X, um, where they said that, you know, Rodri should win the Ballon d'Or purely because of City's performance against Wolves, because it, it highlighted just how good he is. I cannot for, I, I mean, we spoke about it last week, but it just puts it into perspective now, doesn't it? How stupid, how 
unbelievably stupid that decision to to try and to be fair it was it was softish but it was a red card on Morgan Gibbs White it's just cost City so much and most people had said that we'd be able to get through Wolves so Jesus Christ God knows what it's going to be like going to the Emirates next weekend because on today's showing Arsenal could put four past City and and that's sort of me being level-headed about it they could easily give City the runaround yeah but it, again Yes, Roger was stupid, but he was desperate for a rest. You know, he was talking about the beginning of the season about how mm. fatigued he is, because we are we are particularly over reliant on him when John Stones is unavailable, mm. with a lack of Ilkay Gundogan and with the lack of trust in Phillips. We're very very exposed without Rodri, but that's something that we need to solve, whether it's in the transfer market or within the squad. We should. Do you be think City? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've had your thoughts on this. Do you think City could have done more in the transfer market to to cover him, uh, cover Rodri this summer, or do you think that that sort of because because I've I've obviously said opinions and I've actually on the drive home um, sort of going to readdress something I said last week. But do you think City could have done more in that position to to add cover? <laughs> I don't know. That, that that silence says a little, quite a lot. Yeah, it? It, the fact that well, you, you, he's that good. How do you add the cover behind him? Because nobody's going to be of a quality that is going to come close to giving anything that he's. You know, Kovacic is a seasoned professional Premier League player. Granted, he wasn't up to full fitness, but he, he even he looked off it. You know, nobody mm. is going to be of that level. It, it, it's not about do we need somebody of Rodri's level. It it's more. The squad is thin, numbers-wise. Today, we had eight players on the bench. Two of them were goalkeepers, right? Nice. (laughs) So, six outfield players on the bench. Two of them, very much youth products. Oscar Bob, Rico Lewis, still very young, got a lot to learn. Mm. Um, Fantastic quality, don't get me wrong, but still, you know, Wolves away, trailing, really desperately looking for an equaliser or even to go on and find a winner. It's harsh to have to rely on Oscar Bob and Rico Lewis. Sergio Gomez... Quite frankly, it was a CFG signing. It's now his second season with City, almost inadvertently. So we actually had three options on the bench here. Guardiola, Grealish and Phillips. One of them isn't really trusted by Pep. One of them has been a little bit off it and he's returning from injury. And Guardiola, I'm, I'm quite amazed, to be honest, that we didn't see him. So it, it's not a Rodri problem in particular. It's worse because John Stones is out, because I think he can fill that role. The transfer market mistake was not looking at the state of the squad and saying, okay, we we really do desperately need one more player here. And then it's up to them to evaluate, as they do so well, in what position we need a player. But, by God, we needed a player. So I think that's where the failure is, where that's concerned. Um, Mm. But Rodri is Rodri. How how do you replace the best number six in the world? You can't really, but... No. We really should have a plan B and a plan C that at least allows us to function like a somewhat decent football team mm. when he isn't in the side. And that isn't too big an ask. That's really not too big an ask. Uh, well, in my eyes, he had those players. In fact, he had two in Cole Palmer and James McAtee who have known the system, have worked under Guardiola, who've been coached by him, who were sort of bred to be this next generation of academy products to come mm. into the first team. Um, James McAtee wanted to move to Sheffield United on deadline day, so City said yes. I mean, you can never criticise City's recruitment team ever because they're, they're so fantastic at what they do. But I, I do, there is a part of me at times who are just like, 
just say no. You are allowed to keep players even if they are a little bit unhappy. You know, this isn't a, it wasn't going to be a Cancelo situation where James McAtee's kicking off in the middle of a season. You know, he's a fringe player and he'd made 25, 30 appearances. But um, just to go back to the Rodri chat, because I was thinking about Mm. it and I kind of disagree in the sense you say um, it isn't about sort of Rodri himself. I think a lot of players, I think even Calvin Phillips, given a run in the team, could probably cover his defensive attributes because that is fantastic for Rodri, but it's his creativity that City lack so much. And I think that's why we saw City go so in on, well, well, they actually didn't go in on Declan Rice, quite the opposite. And I think they probably at this point maybe are regretting that a little bit. But why City targeted Declan Rice? Because he is probably one of three players maybe in European football who are able to give both defensively and offensively, um, Joshua Kimmich and Chiromani from Real Madrid. Now, they are Champions League starting midfielders for contenders. So I think when we go, when we say, oh, you know, there's nobody there to, to cover Rodri, there's nobody who can come into the team and do it, because that is the point of having a world-class, one-of-a-kind midfielder. And and I, I think, you know, people obviously in terms of opinion but I, I do find it a little bit reductive at times to say, oh, you know, City need more quality behind Rodri. It's like, that doesn't exist unless you were telling Joshua Kimmich to come and play second fiddle to to Rodri. I, I don't know. It, it's been it's been the conversation well, point for just, the week, just, hasn't it? But but the, but the thing is, the thing is, it, it's not just it shouldn't be about creativity. It shouldn't be about creativity. The problem today was amplified by the fact that Nunes and Kovacic, like the rest of the team, were shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. We shouldn't need to rely on a number six necessarily for creativity. The disconnect, but but the, my point is that and... City do, and he's so crucial, and his fitness is brilliant. He can play fifty games a season, and that's great because so much of City's play revolves around Rodri being creative in the final third. So you take him out, and obviously Kevin De Bruyne is not there, Bernardo Silva, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I've banged the drum for a year and a half now. Rodri is City's most important player. Yeah, that's just that. I mean. It, like going back to at the start, it just happens. Sometimes you don't have him, you lose matches, fair enough. I don't know if there needs to be the galaxy brain takes that the world's falling in on itself because one player's missing. You know, City are a world-class team and they have world-class players. Take one of them out, it's going to be an issue. It, it is, but it shouldn't be so much of an issue that with them failing to win at Wolves. <laughs> you know that? True. I, th- I think True. I think we are we are largely in agreement here, absolutely. Rodri yeah, is yeah. Rodri missing in any team is a problem for any team that is lucky mm. enough to have him. 100%, don't get me wrong. Does that mean that the cogs should stop turning when we take Rodri out? No. Segregate the team a little bit, have Calvin Phillips fulfilling the def- defensive uh, the defensive mm. responsibilities and have Kovacic and or Nunes filling in the offensive responsibilities with Phil Foden perhaps dropping a little deeper and supplementing it. But as I say, the problem is, today especially, Nunes and Kovacic and Phil Foden were shit. Doku was mm. okay to shit. Haaland was anonymous. Ake <laughs> is no wing back. Walker has his, you know, has his limitations from a creative perspective. You know, he's 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 an unbelievable fullback defensively, but going forward, he's no Chancelo. I don't want to get in trouble for saying his name, but <laughs> it's true. So today the problem was that the creative players weren't being creative, mm. and that led to an amplification of the problem of Rodri isn't here. Because Rodri does often, if the other players aren't firing, step up, whether it is with goals, whether it is with creating chances. All of these things came together today. The players that are missing, Guardiola not being there, shit performances, all of these things came together to create a 2-1 loss away. Which, And I say it that way because 
a bit of perspective here. 2-1 loss away with two goals and one shot conceded. So, <laughs> again, it, it Wolves, the stars aligned for Wolves mm. and it wasn't even that major a defeat in that sense. Mm. Um, I'm not playing it down. It was incredibly disappointing and I, I personally would have loved the chance to berate all of those players, but I can't play football mm. myself, so they probably would have, would have laughed me out of the dressing room, but... You know, it, it's on them today. It really is. Not yeah. enough. They, they didn't turn up. The decision-making was poor. Nobody was willing to step up uh, and, and grab the game by the score for the neck. And the result is what we got. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, it's funny, actually, walking back to the car after full time. There's a, a, an old uh, fella, an old black country fella um, with his with his babs and his baps and, and going on and, and try, just trying to listen to him, just trying to understand his accent, just about got it. And he said, oh, you know, um, Liverpool, City couldn't hold a torch up to Liverpool. I thought City were crap. How did they win the treble? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just one of those days. It happens. Um, and I guess we'll leave it there for part one. Join us in a moment as we, um, we uh, if you thought that was feisty, we're going to speak about Craig Pawson now. Um, join us after this quick break. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, please, if you haven't already, as always, hit follow, hit subscribe. I can imagine it's going to be another bumpy week of talking points, plenty of opinions from all of your favourite podcast contributors. Um, now, I would never wish harm upon anyone, ever. Um, but if Craig Pawson's tyres went flat on his journey home from Molyneux Stadium on Saturday, I would have a slight grimace. Um, Oliver Kirsch, where do you rank that? in terms of the shittest refereeing performance you've seen this weekend, let alone I'm at, this you know season. What, I, I'm actually going to let you rant about his performance okay. at large. I'm going to let you have that. The one thing that I want to say, and I don't know if, it's, if this is the FA or Craig Pawson, I actually do think it's Craig Pawson. I think this is up to the referees on where they really set the bar. Why the fuck does the bar change for yellow cards once one yellow card has been issued? Mm. that's my yeah. question the reason that we have yellow cards is if you commit two yellow card <laughs> offenses similar offenses a red card yeah you get a red card but why is it and we see this a lot this isn't just mm. limited to this game that's why i'm saying it's not necessarily craig porson it, it might be the, the fa i don't know what conversations go on at the back end mm. here with, with the referees but the fact is today chan has had a yellow card for a yellow card offence. He has then committed another <laughs> yellow card offence 
and ultimately because he was already on a yellow card was for some reason given a bit more leniency and not received a yellow card and, and what and again, happened after that um, about 30-40 minutes afterwards yeah, well, when, he, when he scored he, and it's he always those players he scored the winning it, goal it's, it's always the players that shouldn't be on the pitch that seem to get these goals as well yeah. that's by the by that's how the stars align but my biggest question is why does the bar for a yellow card change when they already have a yellow card if that's going to be the case create a new system simple as that mm. and I think one other should have got was it Lamina as well another yellow card offence I couldn't keep up with the amount of people who were on yellows and should have been yellow it, it, it just it was completely there was two. It, 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 it was Chan and Lamina the, the two of right. them were both on yellow cards committed stonewall yellow card offences and were both let off the hook presumably because they were already on a, on a yellow card so that that's that's my gripe with today. But if you want to go off on Porson's bigger uh, ninety minutes, then go for it, buddy. I know you're desperate. Yeah, yeah. The the issue I had, and again, um, the M6 is a long motorway. You get plenty of thinking time, especially after a de- uh, defeat. And and I was thinking about it. And uh, you know, referees have shockers. Referees have howlers. They make big mistakes. You know, they might not give a handball penalty. They might call. They might miss a red card for a straight red tackle that's above the ball. You know, on the knee or whatever. But largely speaking, in those matches, maybe like I don't know. Eight times out of ten, seven times out of ten, the referee's fine. They just have a couple of mistakes. I don't think, bar the the, the second yellow for for Huang, who who should have been sent off and then went on to score, we should add again. Um, I don't think there was a major decision in that game where you can look at it and go, yes, uh, Craig Parson made a shocker. You know, it was largely speaking, it was a scrappy game. Fair enough. I hold my hands up. It's difficult having refereed myself. The issue is, when you have that accumulated over 90 minutes, it just leads to utter bedlam. A lot of people complained about Anthony Taylor's performance last week against Nottingham Forest, and I thought he was flawless. Bar the odd, maybe one or two fouls towards the end of the game. That's all people saying you let the game get out of control. That's why, that's why Rodri stuck his hands to Gibbs White. No, it's not. It, it, Rodri had a, a rush of blood and, and made a stupid mistake. But against Wolves, it was a complete and utter 90 minutes of chaos. The, the the worst bit is I speak about not, not making a howler and and this this was the first time I've ever seen it and it happened twice. A referee stopping the game, a Premier League game, professional footballers who train and could do it, sort of unthinkable things with their body in terms of flexibility. A referee stopped the game twice in the seventieth and I think it was the eightieth minute for a player who had cramp. I haven't a, a cramp, not a head injury. Not, not, not an well, actual injury. It wasn't the one as well where one of them was on the floor about half a yard away from the touchline. And, and Doku didn't take him to, off. Yeah, yeah he he and he, he got booked for it. Doku got booked yeah. for telling the players. Oh, that, that, they, those, those referee performances are the ones that make me go absolutely wild. Because I'm one of those people, who, if you've ever watched football with me, I'm one of those people who does everyone's head in because a ball will go out of play or a decision or a free kick will be made and the whole stand will be going up and down. So like, no, that's a, that's the correct decision. I'm one of those dickheads who who sort of tries at least to see it from um, sort of a, an unbiased point of view. Today, I, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a football banning order for the sort of stuff that was being <laughs> hurled because it, it truly was. It truly was one of those performances where you are just questioning what on earth is going through the head and it. <laughs> I don't want to get too sort of over the top with it, but it it when City have an off day, 11 players have an off day or 10, 9, whoever you want to sort of pin the blame on, they lose the game, fair enough. It It's still to me, in the modern era, when we have VAR, it's still to me, it, it is wild that fortunes can hinge 
on one person having an off day because Huang should have been sent off. Um, again, I don't think it was a howler in the sense that, you know, we've seen howlers in the past, but it was a wrong decision. And City, Guardiola said City didn't lose because of the refereeing performance. At face value, probably correct. But you go a bit deeper on, does Huang score the goal if he gets sent off? Obviously not. Someone else might have scored the goal, but I don't know. It, it, it's just one of those days where you're like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. What the City were shit, granted, but you, they're never going to do anything if the referee's letting the game get out of control like that. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's, really one of the, it's one of those horrendous. contributing factors. It is, like I said at the yeah. beginning, this isn't the reason we lost. We lost because even if all of those things are against us, the referee, the strokes of luck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we are that good that we just need our players to do their jobs and we will win these games. Mm. But when you have all of these factors and the players are not doing the jobs... They matter. So it's not making an excuse for the shit showing that the players brought to mm. the pitch. But you're right. <laughs> he stopped just, the game for cramp. Was, yeah, he actually it, it stopped was, the game just, for cramp. It was just an amalgamation of so many different mm. little decisions, annoying decisions. And I actually do. I, I disagree on the howler thing. I actually do think it's a howler because it... If if a referee misses a bad a, a red card, mm. you call it a howler. Missing a second yellow card is the equivalent. It's a howler. It's a stone wall yellow yeah. card. That's it. And in if it was the first yellow card, you you say okay, that's not a howler. But for the mm. second one, that is tantamount to missing a red card. It's a howler. He's had a shocker. He's had a shocker mm. from minute one to ninety. Again, not making excuses that people thinking this, but still, we, we, we've got to see better. And I mean, funnily enough, despite how poor he was, that wasn't even the worst refereeing decision of the weekend. There's been a couple yeah. of them over in the Liverpool Spurs game tonight as well. Um, and I'm doubly angry because now I'm missing Klopp's post-match interview, which uh, I had the popcorn <laughs> ready for, but it's true. There, there is a mounting problem with officiating and refereeing in this league and... One way or another, whether it's through technology, whether it's through ditching this tradition of only having English refs, and we import the best foreign players from around the world. We import them because we want the league to be best in the world. Why do we have this tradition of English-only referees bring in... The Premier League should be having the, the, the kind of referee lineups that we see the World Cups or the Champions Leagues have. They are the best referees in Europe. They're not always fantastic, but... The continental competitions tend to have a better standard of officiating than we do here, so it's time that's interesting. That we dropped, I was going to wrap up. We, we I was going to wrap this. up, but I'll, I'll I'll pick up on that because I actually disagree in, in in the concept of paying the best European referees to come and sort our own problems out. Because granted, it may it may lead to a short term fix and the standard of referee and improves, but it, it it's it's fundamentally a grassroots issue. There is not enough referees in the pyramid. There is not an incentive for people who were once my age, because I've said before, and, and long-time listeners may have heard this story before, but I, I, from what other people told me, was a decent referee and probably could have taken it up a level. But you see the money in the game. There's no reason why young people cannot be aspiring to be Premier League referees. I don't know what the average salary is, but double it. Make make the incentive for people who could go one way, could go to a, a different career. That when I was refereeing, I never took it up a level because nobody came to me and said, "Oh, we think you, you, you know, we, we think you should go on and maybe go and do academy matches or go and do whatever, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. You get, you get, <laughs> you start out and you're doing, I don't know, earning a bit of pocket money. 
you don't go on to then make it as as you would a footballer if you're of the same quality. So I, I think it goes deeper down than just saying, okay, uh, Mr. Polish guy or Mr. Spanish guy or Mr. German guy, come and sort our problem out. I think the FA have to reinvent them, uh, reinvent the way they did with the the England national team. I think they have to do that with the refereeing pyramid. I think they have well, to incentivize well, well, it and I think they've got to make sure that the referees coming through are of a better quality because this isn't a problem that is fixed overnight. But, but referees... The, the officiating for the Premier League is fundamental to the quality of the Premier League in the same way that the playing the the, the playing um, let's say playing staff but in the same way that squad quality is right let's say we had a league full of English players and the quality wasn't great we wouldn't be sat here saying well it's not for other countries to sort our quality problem out for the national team yes because that is by definition a national team but for the league itself we don't settle for any less than the best all that's what all the clubs strive for. And you know, a lot of clubs have a strong English contingent. City have a fairly strong English contingent. Um, looking all the way down to the other side, you know, with Luton and Burnley, who are majority English, or at least home nations squads. But by God, if Burnley are offered a, you know, a, a phenomenon of a brilliant Brazilian talent, a pro, you know, prodigious 19-year-old, they're going to take him. They're not going to say, ah, well, hang on. It's not for the Brazilian youth systems to sort our problems out. You know, we need to bring a player through our ranks that's that good. We don't say that. Why are we doing it for referees? If we really want the league to be the best it can be, that means managers, it means players, it means backroom staff, and it means officials. And by the way, Amos, the salary ain't that bad. It's not footballer salary. Mm. They get seventy thousand to two hundred thousand pound a year plus a fifteen hundred pound per match bonus. So if they're doing roughly thirty games a season each, probably a little bit more, then they're pulling what ninety k plus between seventy and two hundred k. So they're earning between one hundred and sixty and two hundred ninety thousand pounds ish. It ain't bad. It really. Ain't I, bad. I, I still double it. Whatever it's going to take, whatever it's going to take to keep football, uh, to keep sorry, referees in the pyramid, double it. Um, I, I think we can all agree, Craig Parsons. But, but why? Tell, 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 tell me why weekend. you think, Amos. Tell me why you think we should be okay with having foreign players, foreign backroom staff, foreign managers, and not foreign referees. I, I, I don't understand where the difference is here because football's well, grassroots across all, across all of this. Football clubs. Uh, in in the ecosystem of, of football, private entities, whereas the the football association is in uh, to, to sort of use a very weird analogy, it, it's almost nationalised, and it should be the case that to to make sure that for the safety, because also as well, um, it isn't just the Premier League at, at, which is at stake here. It's the Championship, it's League One, it's the it's the entire pyramid. The full pyramid has to have referees, which are to the, the, as close as possible the quality of that league. You know, you watch non-league football, the referee's a bit dodgy, they might miss a couple of tackles, it's hard, it's crunching, it's, you know, part-time players, it's whatever, fair enough. But it should not be as big. Sorry, the the chasm should not be as small as it is from going from non-league to Premier League. And that's the problem for the FA, because we we can throw money at it, but what in two, three, four years' time when the Saudi Arabian League has kicked off, I'm not saying it will, but... As Eric Ten Hag once said, eras don't last forever. <laughs> the Premier League is not, it, 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 it very well might, maybe now, but it probably won't be of this level forever. So it is a problem that's it, uh, that City, Jesus Christ, it's not a problem for City. It's a problem for the FA to sort out. Um, and I guess that is a good place to wrap. Ollie Kirsch, it's been like a therapy session and I hope listeners, you have felt the same. Um, thank you very much. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. That was quite cathartic.
Yeah, there was um, a few talking points there, I'm sure. Um, in fact, listeners, if you can, um, sort of judge us like a boxing match. Who won each round? To be fair, I think a lot of the points were similar and we agreed on a lot, but it was a bit like back and forth. Um, really fun episode. If you enjoyed it, please hit subscribe. Hit follow, leave a rating and a review. We'll be back tomorrow dissecting more of that game. Until then, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. 